Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyEddy.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyEddy.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. What's going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? I'm Josh Salvi, your host. And on today's episode, I am sitting down with Matt Wilson, the co-founder of Under 30 Experiences. Matt, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. You got it, Josh. We're uh, always happy to help out a Under 30 Experiences alumni like yourself. Yeah, that, that is for sure. So for the listener that doesn't know Matt Wilson or Under 30 Experience, we actually, we go back, I think it's six or seven years at this point. Um, we met at uh, Fordham, which is where I went to college, and Matt actually ran a company called Under30CEO.com, which was like entrepreneur.com, um, sort of helping young aspiring entrepreneurs figure out how to start a business and then we sort of stayed in touch and now he is going full steam ahead with under 30 experiences which is a travel company that helps young people between the ages of 25 and 21 and 35 um, access travel so um, yeah can you tell uh, tell our audience you know who what who is the perfect fit for a under 30 experience trip Oh, okay. Okay. I would say uh, anybody who wants to travel who's between the ages of 21 to 35, uh, the perfect person is someone who is just stuck behind their desk and looking to get out and wants to meet new people and, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily want to go on vacation by themselves and they're, they're looking to meet other people and, and join a community of uh, of other like-minded people who uh, don't just want to grind away at their desks or waste away at their desks for the rest of their life. Without a doubt. So going back a second to talk about you, who, who the heck are you? <laughs> what, what is your sort of, what is your background and what are you, what are you hoping to do with uh, under 30 and just in general? All right, so you say under 30, of course, you're probably referring to under 30 experiences. Correct, yes. As you mentioned, under 30 CEO uh, was acquired by a good buddy of mine, Daniel DiPiazza from Rich 20-something. So his crew is running with that site now, and we've been focusing uh, for several years just strictly on under 30 experiences. Uh, But who is Matt Wilson? Well... That's a good question. Uh, uh, So I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York. Always grew up doing outdoor stuff. Loved it. And then, long story short, I found myself in New York City. And I hadn't been on a pair of skis in several years. I took my backcountry equipment to Iceland. And we went snowmobiling. And uh, 
we, we climbed glaciers, we went ice climbing, we went super deeping to the top of uh, volcanoes and glaciers and just did all of this incredible stuff that Iceland had to offer. And I said, what the hell am I doing paying 3,000 something dollars a month for a tiny little shoebox, uh, a luxury shoebox in New York City, we'll call it, uh, on the 39th floor. What am I doing with my life? My life revolves around trying to hang out my, with my friends who are too busy and uh, just want to go and party and drink and meet girls and da 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 and well, I love girls, but sorry, uh, that's that wasn't my point of life is to hang out in bars and pick them up. So I pieced out basically and uh, tried to connect with other people who are doing the same things. Uh, I guess I should mention uh, that you already mentioned under30ceo.com. So I was really into going to all these fancy events in New York. Uh, I was invited to the White House and to the United Nations and uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We closed NASDAQ, like got to ring the bell, parties on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And you know, we, were, we had this blog that covered uh, technology companies and these kids were running around with a bunch of money and uh, not too much, what do they say, too much money and not enough sense and uh, it's a scary place to be caught up in. So peace out, I'm calling you from our office in Costa Rica right now. My bare feet are up on the <laughs> table and uh, I'm going to try to go surfing when I can when I get out of here. I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> No, that's awesome. So you're originally from Poughkeepsie. You lived in New York for a while, and then you made the move. Um, did you make the move before or after you started Under 30 Experiences So out of New York? Uh, well, that was my epiphany moment. Under 30 CEO was going really well. We were bringing about a half a million people per month to our blog. We were just crushing our, our traffic numbers and uh, getting all this notoriety and this this press and, and blah blah blah. It's not worth it's not much worth much unless you're you are truly happy and then I kinda got into the whole soul searching thing and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm standing here with this Icelandic mountain guide, this Viking dude named Siggy and uh, I turned to Siggy and I was like, wait a second, we're on a glacier right now and all of my friends are stuck behind their desks. What's wrong with this picture? People from North America work much too hard and uh, why don't we change that? So we ran our first trip to Iceland and Under 30 Experiences was born. And uh, yeah, that was in, whew, that conversation was in March of 2000. 12, somehow we turned around and ran a Memorial Day weekend, May, late May 2012 trip, which was just crazy that we got anybody to sign up and that it ran successfully. <laughs> That's really awesome. And so now, how many trips do you guys offer? How many trips? Okay, so if you're talking about that was one trip, how many trips will we do in, let's say, 2000? Well, by the end of 2016... Uh, I'd say maybe we ran 150 trips. I mean, that's talking three a week. Uh, Damn. Yeah, so we're rolling out <laughs> trips to about 15 different countries uh, all across the world. And now we have longer itineraries. We're figuring out Europe. Uh, and we're doing a massive Euro tour. And we're just figuring out what works, what styles of travel work for 
young people from the United States how we can maximize their itineraries and show them a really good time so that they can go do the fun stuff. They don't have to plan it. They are with experts in the local areas, right? And, uh, you know, then they can get back behind their desks and make some money and hopefully come on another trip, save up for their next adventure. Right, right. So I, I can't even imagine how much traveling you do. <laughs> like, the thought of it, like my friends always say I travel a lot and um, I, I, I feel like we've talked a few times and I feel like a few months at a time you're just, you, you're not staying at home in Costa Rica or wherever, you're, you're just jumping around. So what, what the heck is that like? Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Uh, I will tell you that, and I'm not trying to fluff. I'm not trying to fluff any of this. Absolutely not. But this summer, I mean, I was on four different continents, and uh, that will and multiple continents. I, I went to South America twice, right? It's usually stop over here in, in Costa Rica and Central America. Uh, technically, right. parts technically still part of North America. Right, but I also went to Bali, Indonesia. I also went to France and uh, had to visit the family in New York. Um, but I went to Machu Picchu. You know, I was in Machu Picchu six times this summer, and now I really, you know, that's about all I can handle, as as any one person should handle. Right. And um, so, yes, it, it's absolutely crazy because we're also trying to run a. a very serious operation here otherwise and you know under 30 experiences is my baby i designed almost all of the trips i led almost all of the the trips for the first three years uh i you know i learned to speak the languages so i could be a guide in these places i learned to uh, i learned all the local knowledge and so you know, but as uh, as the E Myth would have it, the great book by Michael Gerber, <laughs> where people realize, okay, you're you're not a tour guide anymore, dude. You are running a very serious company company here, and uh, now a lot of people put food in their mouths because it exists, and uh, I need to make sure that that is all in order, and people don't. Our people's itineraries aren't messed up, uh, so and we run absolutely amazing trips. I mean, we have I think a hundred, close to 140 reviews on Facebook right now, and 139 of them are five stars. We have one four star review. I think the person was just trying to be different from everybody else, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So we want to keep quality really, really high, and that's why I still do go on a lot of them because I know it can knock out a quality trip and, and deliver for people and, and I'm doing a lot more training of people not to mention being you know the, the founder and uh, I, I guess CEO even though I don't really call myself that right right Co- so, co-founder by the way yeah so your your, your co-founder Jared O'Toole how does how does your di- he's based in Austin right that's the technical address of the business but you guys solely you work out of Costa Rica and then are traveling for the rest of the time on trips and whatever, correct? Yeah, so we technically, we have three offices at the moment. So our team of 10, 11, 12, 12 of us, right? So maybe seven of us. Uh, okay, I'll tell you where everybody is today. So we'll start in South America. Roland is there. He's our Machu Picchu, uh, Peru 
guide as well as logistics manager and he handles most of the stuff in South America. He's going on our Colombia trip over New Year's Eve uh, to Cartagena. Marion and I are here in Costa Rica right now and Jonathan, he's Costa Rican, Marion is French. Uh, so we got a we have a ton of people who speak a ton of different languages and then Jared and Dan are holding down the Austin office. We're in a co-working space over there. And uh, Miles and Eric are in Belize or Mexico today. I don't know. They were crossing the border. I think they crossed the border yesterday because we do a Mayans ruins trip. And then Caesar and Jen are in Nicaragua. They finished up in Nicaragua. Our 13-day Central America trip that ends in Managua, Nicaragua, where Caesar is from. Uh, just a couple days ago, so they're spending a little family time. So, yeah, we're spread out, but Austin, Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica, and Cusco, Peru are our three locations. That's that's crazy. How the hell do you guys stay in communication, stay, like, on, on the same page? <laughs> Honestly, Slack. Uh, I don't yeah. know. If, I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, Slack all the time. Um, Skype. FaceTime, audio, some email, but we try not to get to. Slack really has killed a lot of our email. I'm, I'm really pretty pleased with it. But uh, staying on the same page, we, as of two weeks ago, introduced Asana, or Asana, as I guess yeah. it's pronounced. And that's been really helpful because I can manage people's to-do lists and see how their projects are coming along. It's like, okay, hey, uh, we're bringing someone on board to design a Thailand trip. Well, how's that going? Have you called the hotels? Have you contacted local guides? Have you looked into transportation? Have you researched flights? Have you da 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 da? And I, how the hell am I supposed to keep track of that? Um, yeah, we have we have set calls. Like I talk to Roland in, in Peru every other day or so, and uh, but we also do try to meet up when we can. Uh, we're looking at hiring someone out of Iceland to open up a European office, but we don't have trips in January, February, and March to Iceland, so they're going to come down to Costa Rica and survive the Icelandic winter, which is pretty cool. (laughs) That's really awesome. So going back to what you were talking about with um, sort of developing the different trips, how did you... Because I, I obviously I we we went to Alaska together, and that was one of the earlier trips, um, which I have to say was probably the best trip I've ever been on. And I've traveled I've traveled a decent amount. Obviously, nowhere near as much as you have, but that trip will always be um, an incredible experience. And just understanding how much better traveling somewhere with a bunch of people who have a similar mindset to you. Um, and now, like as a result of that trip, I now have friends in. San Francisco, in England, in Chicago, all over that whenever I'm doing another trip, I can hit those people up because I know they're going to be interested in doing whatever that is. But going back to my question, how the heck did you develop these trips and sort of test them to figure out what it is that, you know, young people are looking for um, in a trip that can really change them? Because I know that's a big aspect of, of your trips is you want to make sure you want to help people sort of discover that there are there's a there's a, a real ha- good way to experience things and enjoy their lives they don't have to be stuck behind a computer <laughs> for you know 40 plus years of their life I, I, I couldn't agree more um, well look we went on a uh, 
pilot trip to Alaska, a ski trip, and I was actually scouting an Alaska trip and I happened to stop in the little town of Girdwood because there was an Oktoberfest uh, going on and I was trying to get a beer and I was like, whoa, this town is really cool. By the way, Elieska is here. I never really thought of skiing in Alaska or running ski trips, but once I inquired about the rates, they were rates that we could actually cover. Uh, I would suggest anybody going and check out, checking out Alyeska, and they got dumped on on that trip, man. We got 36 oh, yeah. inches of snow <laughs> over those few days. I was, I guess I was out of ski shape. I was definitely out of ski shape. I haven't touched skis since I've been there, unfortunately. I've, Seriously? Yeah, I've, I've I was thinking about trying to get out there, but I mean, I traded it for the surfboard. Um, yeah. There's so many, I can only be can only be on so many continents at the <laughs> at the same time, um, but yeah. So that trip went really well for us, but we decided to stick to our bread and butter, which is providing the cultural experiences. Because right. look, anybody can show up with a group of people and jam themselves into double rooms and uh, stay at a, a mountainside resort and buy some lift tickets. And, and that business is, is a lot easier to duplicate. Anybody listening out there who wants to bang out some ski trips and do them really well and bring together people, go, go for it. Um, and maybe that's something that we'll do five down years down the road right but delivering that first time traveler experience to a place like peru where the logistics are really difficult lima you don't want to wander off into the wrong neighborhood uh, we speak right. all the local languages we know all of the history of a, a culture like cusco our, our Logistics manager, our South American manager, I, I guess as we technically call him, I mean, he speaks English and Spanish and Quechua, the indigenous language. And so we go to places where the Andean people still uh, partake in their cultural, local cultural practices. And we have real cultural experiences where that's a lot different than what we did in Alaska. And uh, so we try to do things that bring the groups together. I mean, when you hike Machu Picchu, the Inca Trail, all the way there, you know who you huffed and puffed next to. And uh, <laughs> the ability levels in skiing are such yeah. that everybody goes out in their own direction during the day and then they come back and it, they're a little more ski trips are a little bit more party oriented and I'm not saying we don't have a good time on our trips but it's not the focus so right. we decided to stick with our, our bread and butter and uh, bringing people to more exotic destinations but uh, we focus on places that uh, again bring people together but uh, you know think of your your icebreaker type stuff but we're talking jumping off waterfalls or zip lining or exposing you know some people have never been hiking before right and yes those are the first timer examples but then we have people who have okay i've been to 50 countries and i've biked from we had a girl who biked from alaska to mexico and she was super adventurous and she loved our trips because we try to offer something for everyone and um but we yeah we try to stay in boutique accommodations we try to go off the beaten path as much as we can. So that's, yeah, that's how we design them. That's really awesome. And I think that's, um, 
that really brings up the point of how you guys are different than most of the other travel companies out there. Because I, I always have friends who are like, oh, I want to go on this trip and like we could do this resort thing and you know it's all inclusive. And I'm like, no, that, uh, why would you do that? <laughs> you want to go? You want to do that? Go to Florida. Like, exactly. Like, why would you go to uh, like Aruba or wherever if you're just gonna stay in a resort? You know, like I don't, I just don't get it. So and and I think the first trip I did w- with you guys sort of made me. I was thinking it, but it it didn't make me realize it until I was on that trip and I was like, oh right, like this is totally, this is my speed. <laughs> um, and for anyone who wants to do that sort of thing, it's it's just such a great experience. Um, sure, no, so, I, com- I I completely agree. Yeah, we had that. Uh, even though we were on a ski trip, we did things to bring people together. I mean, we all ate together. We all sh- we all shared meals together. We all shared the experiences. We were there for a common goal at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Even if we all showed up in, uh, um, what was it, uh, robes that one dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah, joke was on me. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So anybody is listening, these clowns decided to not tell me that it was a dress-up party to our nice dinner and everybody wore their nice linen bathrobes and I showed up in my regular, I don't know, post-ski jeans or whatever and everybody wore their bathrobe. Oh, that was awesome. That uh, was awesome. Um, but anyway, so it, along this entire journey, because obviously you've been doing this for a while and Actually, before I ask this question, have you? Did you always want to start a business? Was that always sort of um, the goal? Oh yeah, I mean, it wasn't even that I always wanted to start a business. I always have started businesses. I mean, from a lemonade stand to selling golf balls that I picked out of the pond on eBay when I was, I think, eleven years old. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, everything. Landscaping business, mowing lawns, um, anything I could do, car detailing, uh, yeah, house maintenance and and stuff like that. And uh, I used to flip iPods. Um, I forget what my scheme was, but I I used to flip iPods uh, online. Also, I'd buy them with with gift cards that were expiring or something and they gave me a discount and I, I whatever, I, I tried to pay my way through college doing that stuff. So yeah, so I always did, but then once I found something that I really truly cared about, you know, those were just side hustles, right? But right. once I, uh, I mean, my landscaping business was pretty successful in, in high school and college and uh, I sold that and all my equipment and my accounts when I was 18. So that was a really cool experience actually. But yeah, I just always had that in me. And But once I found something that I truly cared about, that truly, you see people, uh, their transformations over a week long trip and, and seeing new things and you know what travel does to you, so it's uh, it's something that I truly believe in, and I can get behind, and that keeps me motivated every day. Without a doubt. So, along this entire journey, did you have any mentors that sort of helped guide you to where you are now? Wow. You know, yes, I would like to say that I did. Mm. My first answer was no, not really, right? But more so 
because the internet. So I did more of that stuff when I was younger, okay? Just turned 31, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, too old for under 30 experiences, laugh it up. <laughs> but, um, but I did most of the networking, meeting my idols and my mentors, starting at a really young age, right? Um, was involved in this collegiate entrepreneurs organization, uh, much like your chapter at Fordham, which is how we met. I came in and spoke, but I would try to invite people who are way cooler than Matt Wilson, I'll tell you that, but freaking huge speakers to our campus. I mean, we had Ted Turner and, and Kenneth Cole come uh, to speak on campus, Burton John Jacobs from Life is Good, uh, Bill Rancic from The Apprentice. We had really, I mean, we, I, I attended conferences um, all over the place that uh, I actually had dinner with Steve Wozniak, founder of Apple Computers when I was 20 years old. And, uh, That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and the sideshow was Herb Kelleher, uh, the founder of Southwest Airlines, was also at the table, and I didn't even really care about him. I just wanted to talk to Wozniak. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I've done, most of my mentors are virtual mentors, people who, I always try to re reach out to the people whose books I read. I mean, I read all the time, and I listen to podcasts all the time, which is what inspired me to, to start my own, but... Yeah, man, I, I think that uh, mentors, if I had to rattle some off virtual mentors, I mean, so I'm a, um, an ambassador for Bulletproof and Dave Asprey, and that's more than just business, but that is, uh, you know, that's about nutrition and lifestyle and uh, becoming the strongest version of yourself mentally and physically and, and all of that. So a lot of nerdy biohacking stuff, getting your body to operate at its optimal peak. So I would say he is a mentor of mine and uh, now I'm an ambassador there, but he's not someone who I just have contact. You know, it's not like I could just call the dude. I am trying right. to develop our relationship, right? But it's like, I would say Tim Ferriss has been a mentor of mine, but that's because I've read his book six or eight times and have listened to a ton of his podcasts and you know I started doing Tony Robbins stuff when I was 16 uh, yeah I did go out I mean I met Tim Ferriss and I've met Tony Robbins right but that's just because I hustled to meet them at conferences and events and whatever uh, but yeah I absorb their information like a, a fiend like a sponge and try to put their practices into place so as far as personal relationships with mentors, yeah, I also have some friends, um, you know, friends who've been super successful, guys who've been, and this is another reason that I do a podcast is so that I can talk to other successful people and ask them questions and, and have them be mentors as well. So uh, that was kind of a long roundabout answers, but yeah, those are, those are a couple of people who I consider mentors, but my message is that anybody can go out and get, I just read Laird Hamilton's book, The Big Wave, uh, the Big Wave Surfer. I didn't even really know who he was. I'm kind of embarrassed, embarrassed to say, but I'm going to reach out to him, try to do a podcast with him, with him. I don't know if he'll get back to me, but I'm sure as hell going to try. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same reason I started my, my podcast, this podcast. Um, honestly, listening to yours, so I downloaded the first couple episodes when I was in uh, Chile. Um, 
and I was driving down to uh, Nevada's de Chian. Totally said that wrong, but uh, it's like a couple hours south of Santiago, and I was listening to you guys. First, it was you and Jared O'Toole in the beginning, and then you started talking to some of your close friends who have interesting stories and businesses. And I was like, you know what? There's something here. <laughs> the whole idea of interviewing and just getting to know people who you look up to, um, it's so valuable. It's so, so valuable. And um, yeah, and I just think that's great. Thank you. Well, thank you for, for listening. And uh, yeah, I just started having a little circuit of my close friends and, and people who I think are really smart and can add value to other people. And these are the conversations that I like to have, but now they actually get in my calendar and we actually record them and we actually spread <laughs> all the, the good stuff that we talk about, all of our tips and tricks and hacks and nerdy conversations and, and the deep stuff as well uh, so that other people can, can learn about what we're learning about. Right, right. That's that's it's so valuable, and you know you you can't stop consuming information. I feel like well, a lot of people, as soon as they graduate college, they're sort of like, all right, I'm just gonna get a job, do that, and um, I'm done consuming content. Um, sure. And for me, it was like, nope. Uh, like you said, like I listen to anytime I'm traveling, I'm in the subway, I'm driving on a flight, I'll download a ton of podcasts and audiobooks and just sit there and just try and absorb everything I can. <laughs> Because you don't know what you're going to pick up on, and something can totally like just blow you. Like a little, a little snippet of something could be like, "Oh my god, I didn't even think." Like, and it could lead you down a crazy path that you know you could be build, building a business around that. And I, I think um, it's so valuable in learning. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And especially for your downtime, your subway time, your car rides, your workouts. I mean, I don't listen to music while I'm working out. I'm listening. I, I'm usually listening to something that's going to motivate me, but you, it's usually something to do with health and fitness, and that's my health and fitness time. And now I'm doubling up on that hour a day. Uh, not only am I working my body right, but then I'm also trying to absorb information into my brain as well. And I also wanted to point out to the listener that there is a uh, other side. To it, right? I'm I'm reading a ton of books and podcasts and audiobooks and blah blah blah, right? And having all these conversations. But on the other hand, it's very important to make sure that you develop your own ideas and you just don't regurgitate other people's bullshit, right? Or, right. or forget if it's bullshit. It could be other people's really great stuff. Uh, but there's a, there's a famous story, actually, uh, and I heard it through Daniele Boelli, who's an amazing storyteller of the Drunken Taoist podcast. He's been on, on my podcast, and uh, he tells the story about a guy who goes to see a Zen master, and he regurgitates all of the stuff, and he thinks he knows all about dharma and uh, knows how the universe works and thinks he's got it all figured out and basically the master is, says look first step is forget everything that you know just come with a clean slate and experience it for yourself because if you just try to copy everybody else's ideas especially if you're looking to start a business i used to fall into this trap chasing the trends, reading the tech blogs, and right. uh, trying to 
trying to be another me too. No, you got to go out and, and experience life for yourself and, and try to create and try to build. So don't get too caught up into just consuming because that starts to take away from producing. It's uh, it, at some point, it's a lot of diminishing returns. And at some point, it's just masturbation that's keeping you from actually producing something. You're so right. That is such a good point. Um, and it's easy to get addicted, not addicted, but just caught in that sort of routine of just consuming, 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 and then never really doing anything with it. Um, whether it's applying interesting ideas and tweaking them with your own sort of twist to it. And that's, that's exactly how I started Ready Yeti. Um, I listened to uh, a few podcasts. It was the Tim Ferriss show and like, um, the Pat Flynn, um, podcast where he sort of talked about building an online business and building an email list and building trust and you know I did that and I sort of created my own twist to it Um, and then tested it figured out what works what doesn't work and we're still constantly doing that but it it also makes it more interesting when you have something to sort of take the ideas that you hear and apply it to and be like okay does this work in this sort of um, with this business and then tweak it and whatever it's just it's interesting and it's a fun way to learn I completely agree. And at some point, you can only prepare so much. You've got to do it yourself. Yeah, with, without a doubt. So is it, taking a little pivot, um, in terms of the, of, of the trips that you guys run, how is it possible and do you um, have a focus on sustainable travel with um, the trips that you guys run? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is something that we talk about every day. And we can see places change as more tourists come there. And I've only been in this business for four and a half years. But five years ago, if you told people that you were going to Iceland, you were crazy, right? But now, a lot of people are going to Iceland. Iceland has really opened up. Iceland Air has opened up a lot of new flights. They had big campaigns in the subways in New York and Boston and uh, I'm not going to try to take all the credit for Icelandic tourism but we were really there early and I mean look the place sells because of how amazing it is the the glaciers and the waterfalls and uh, the rainbows and just the crazy weather and I mean it's it's an incredible incredible place Uh, the the volcanic lava rock it looks like you're on the surface of the moon the black beaches the uh, the icebergs all of these things right but speaking of the icebergs I have seen the difference in just a few years when I go back there that that those glaciers are melting and you see the lines in these places if you go at peak you know the blue lagoon there used to be not be that many people that actually ever went there but now you got to make a reservation and they're getting a lot more strict on what time you can enter and how long you can stay in there and so right we're talking about what is this effect on this country and uh, how do we do this sustainably so that's that's there's the environmental impact of course and then uh, of course, when you meet the people who are from these places, and uh, especially when you're talking about somewhere like Latin America, where we do so much business, and you see poverty firsthand all of the time, and there has got to be a good way 
to bring people to an area and support the local economy and to give back to an area and actually be able to improve it in a mindful manner, going through the right channels, not just doing a shoe drop because you felt bad that kids didn't have shoes, like big deal, nobody ever died from not having shoes, but there are certain channels that you can go through working with organizations who are trustworthy and know their stuff, understand the challenges in the local areas, and have the right intentions where the money actually goes to the people in the area and stays there. It doesn't just pad some gringo's luxurious lifestyle in Central America, right? Right. Uh, so we're constantly trying to bring people to places that are going to make a difference. Uh, supporting local wildlife organizations is another thing that we do here in the area. And it's, it's education, it's twofold, right? So for example, we participate in the Children's Ecological Education Program here in Costa Rica. The schools have it as part of their curriculum uh, to learn how to recycle, right? But mm -hmm. it's educational, not just for the kids, but it's also educational for our travelers and we create cultural exchanges so it's not just a uh, a spectacle where we're like oh people who we perceive to be less uh, less well off than we are let me snap a bunch of pictures and throw them up on instagram and look like i'm saving the world i'm not a fa fan of volunteer volunteerism you know we want really genuine uh, projects going on and things that that teach people to take care of themselves in the long term and not just learn uh, how to receive handouts. So that was uh, that's my take on sustainable tourism. And yes, I do think it is possible. Right. No, I think that's really interesting, and it helps people really think of it from a different perspective. And it's just not oh, I'm going to plan this trip here and go do it. And like you said, with the travel. Um, travel charity or what, I forget what the term was that you yeah, used. Volunteerism. Volunteerism. But yeah, I think that's, people are just like, oh, I'm helping. It's, it's, it makes me feel good. And I, I think that's a great point um, that a lot of people totally overlook. Yeah. I mean, people can just pat themselves on the back for doing something good and they don't know what the unintended consequences of showing up and I'm not saying that well digging programs are bad right usually those are, are pretty good but you show up and dig a well all right well uh, what's the next what's the next step how long does that well stay there who's going to teach people to keep the well clean because if that well gets contaminated and everybody starts getting sick well then you're back you know you just wasted the $20,000 or whatever you just put into the community and uh, you know microloans are you giving microloans okay but is there education that comes with them is there a support system what's the cultural effect we, we speak with women business owners in Nicaragua who literally need to be coached to tell their husbands hey look uh, you're going to have to cook dinner for the kids tonight because I have to work late. And in right. a real machismo culture, that's a big deal. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's a very, very complicated issue. Oh, without a doubt. So we, we mentioned, we talked about this briefly, um, but what would you say is the culture that exists within 
under 30 in your team and how do you guys promote that? So within our team, it is really get your shit done and then you can go have fun. That's really what I like to to live by myself. Uh, I like to get up early, knock stuff out, and then go and, and reap the benefits and have that flexibility and be able to travel and and uh, like I said, go have fun. Go record a, a podcast and get through my. Uh, this morning, I got through all of my emails that are with uh, European vendors, right? Because they're on a they're right. six eight hours ahead of me right now, and I want to try to get back to them first thing in the morning, so we have a chance of having correspondence during the same day, right? But then I can take off in the afternoon and go to the beach. So that's the try. To, that's the culture that we try to to have here. And we really a big part of my podcast, you know, and, and helping other people improve themselves. We want to hire people who are into personal development. We want to hire people who see traveling as a way of life and not just uh, oh, I'm going to go for two three months. Uh, to Costa Rica and Pura Vida and then go back and work at my investment bank and hate my life again. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we want sustainable solutions, a sustainable right. lifestyle. And so we, what you put out there hopefully gets attracted back to you. And uh, so that's why I put out this type of content. That's why our Instagram has a certain voice and a certain vibe to it because we want to attract those type of travelers who get it and we want to attract those type of staffers who get it too without a doubt what would you say has uh, been one of the hardest parts about building under 30 experience Ooh, i would say just the start the start was so difficult we were begging people basically to come <laughs> and take our trips we were right. in the wrong market. We were bloggers, young entrepreneur bloggers, and all our friends were business owners who were stressed out, right? Business owners are generally stressed out. They're either filthy rich and can do anything in the world and what do they need us for, or they're super broke and living on couches and they're never going to take a vacation, right? We, we were trying to do high-end trips at first for a an exclusive network and then we said fuck that uh, yeah let's let's build an inclusive community where everybody is welcome instead of an exclusive community i mean the excuse me i hope i can swear on your your podcast but the bullshit <laughs> that we had to hear excuses from from friends and also just kind of semi vip type people who we were bringing on trips oh sorry it's uh, it's public speaking time uh, oh, that's conference season. I, I really am not going to be able to make it to Iceland or da 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 da. Like, whatever. Everybody's choice in life is whatever. You can do whatever you want in your life. But we were trying to cut through that, and, uh, and those people were a pain in the ass too to be to be clients, right? We never called those people felt like clients. Now right. we just have a close net network of friends, and we put out that vibe immediately we're not tour guides right we are we're a trusted friend who can show you around a really cool place who happens to be an expert there and speak the language and have all the local connections and 
facilitate a time for you to go and explore a place with other cool people, not be led around on a leash and say, oh, look at here to your right, it's the Eiffel Tower, and get on a microphone and, and get back into the coach bus and snap your next picture at your next uh, big European landmark. So that's, that is not what we're all about. Right, right. So what would you say is your biggest fear, and how do you manage it with under 30 experience? <laughs> Biggest fear? Well, mainly, I wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares, thinking about things like hotels not being booked, transportation <laughs> not people. This is this is true. People showing up at the airport, and uh, they're just being some little typo in the itinerary, and our staff thought the trip was the following day, or uh, oh, the hotel did not expect us, and we sent. 18 people to Iceland in November to see the Northern Lights and they had to sleep, I don't know, in an igloo. Okay, we right. never <laughs> want that to happen. That's my biggest fear. How do we deal with that? Double check, triple check, OCD, paranoia, uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking night terrors. It's not uh. easy, but um, yeah, we just try to find detail-oriented people and hiring people that are smarter than ourselves and i'm sorry if you're hearing crazy latin music in the background the the super pura vida uh, grocery store across the street is blasting promotional music outside and i think that they just turned it up um and so i apologize to any of your esteemed listeners also i just saw an iguana fall out of a tree that was pretty cool <laughs> that's pretty awesome not gonna see that in new york <laughs> no sir that's great. So what would you say has been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made uh, so far? Biggest mistakes. Okay. So everybody always told me personally to think of what you want out there on the market. What's a product that you would buy? And then go and create that and find people to buy it. Well, that's great advice, actually, to anybody listening. That's a good way to start to think about it. But uh, I create, anytime I create something for myself, I guess I'm more unique than the general market. And I create stupid things like the... Uh, microfinance surf camp to Nicaragua that I once <laughs> sold and sold successfully and we had a freaking blast but people were like what is microfinance what if I don't want to surf and what if I just want to come to Nicaragua how about that and uh, <laughs> I was like okay yes uh, and there, it was sold through under 30 CEO and they said, well, do I have to be under 30? Do I have to be a CEO? And I was like, okay, screw this. We're running trips to Central America. We run trips to Costa Rica, which a lot of people have been to Costa Rica. Nobody really knows Nicaragua too, but I love Nicaragua. I actually prefer it. Don't tell any of my friends here, but I prefer <laughs> it to Costa Rica, but nobody's ever been, so it's difficult Everybody knows somebody who's been to Costa Rica and absolutely loved it and saw monkeys and sloths and surfed and forget surfing, right? Not that many people 
want to surf in the scheme of things. We get a handful of people who want to try it on each of our trips, but ask other people what they think of your ideas and I don't know, sometimes I ignore them, take it with a grain of thought of uh, a grain of thought, a grain of salt, of course. But at the end of the day, design stuff that other people will like, not just yourself. I think that was my biggest mistake. Uh, even Jared, my business partner, he is not like me and he has to talk me out of doing stupid things all the time. So uh, that would be my biggest mistake, but also no, I would say um, the, the advice for getting around that is to know who you can call to say, hey, am I smoking crack right now? Because I had to call Jared this morning and say, hey, tell me if this is a stupid idea and please be really honest with me. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Uh, which makes me uh, like wonder, how, what is the dynamic between you and Jared? Like, I imagine you don't see each other very often. So how, how does that work? It's interesting. Uh, he and I have known each other since fourth grade. We've now worked together since oof, 2000, I'll call it 2008, probably closer to 2009. And uh, so we know each other very well. So much so that we have, and we have such complementary skills that often we don't need to speak. Or sometimes we can go a week without actually talking. I don't like to do that, but sometimes we can and we'll, we'll get along just fine. I know what needs to be done. He knows what needs to be done. A lot of times we have a really clear, uh, what's the term I'm looking for uh, when you split up a division of roles, right? We know how to divide right. up the work really easily because it just happens naturally. I know what I'm going to be good at. He knows what he's going to be good at. There's a couple things that neither of us want to do and we have to suck it up and one of us has to do it. Sometimes <laughs> he does them, sometimes I do them. Right. And we make it, we make it happen. Um, I, he has, I think, better focus than I have. I like to be in front of people and abroad a lot more. Uh, he likes to be in the United States. He can stay there and they can keep it, whatever's going on up there, especially these days. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we have good division of, yeah, we have good, good dynamic. Sometimes we forget to be friends. And so, uh, especially when we're so busy for a few weeks, I, you know, uh, and we're, we're, we're good friends and he knows that I care about him. So a lot of times, We'll have our little jokes, but I actually don't ask uh, about him sometimes. Like, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I know he's not <laughs> going to care because he's not sensitive. We just get right into right down to the business. And, yeah, this morning we talked and uh, BSed on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes while I ate my breakfast. And then that was fun, and we caught up. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the dynamic. I mean, it's really fun. To work with someone who you really like and uh, that's important because we want to bring more people who we enjoy working with so that we can continue to create a good team p.s. we are hiring under 30 experiences.com slash careers <laughs> nice yeah we'll we'll add the uh, links in the show notes to that so if you guys are interested in uh, making traveling a career definitely check it out um, 
So where do you, where do you see uh, under 30 experiences going in the next year, five years, 10 years? What's, what's in store for the future? Ooh, 10 years, pretty far out. One year, we have a pretty clear cut plan. Uh, five years, we could get there pretty quickly, I would say. I have a decent <laughs> idea for what it could be like in five years. Look, at the end of the day, uh, this is something your readers will appreciate, but I'd suggest everyone go and pick out the book by Yvonne Chenard. I hope I'm saying his name right, the founder of Patagonia. And in Let My People Go Surfing, his excellent book, he talks about how it's about the process. He never right. intended for Patagonia to be a multinational company. He just didn't. Uh, yes, he was ambitious, but he uses the term dirtbagger, I think is the term, where you just right, like, yeah. sleep on couches and in tents and in your old Volkswagen van so that you can go rock climbing and support yourself and start making stuff in a machine shop and selling it to your buddies and uh, start importing start finding old rugby shirts at the Salvation Army or at Army-Navy stores because they don't rip open when you rock climb. And I'm pretty sure that's what he started doing and that's how his clothing line formed. But he talks about the process and liking the day-to-day -day and doing things right and doing things the right way and being able to do something that you truly believe in and building, I don't know, I can't remember, it's been a while since I've read it, but uh, we always talk about building systems and processes around that so that it is everything that we do, we try to do it so it is scalable, but we're not in a hurry per se. I mean, we are certainly not sitting around uh, because, yeah, sure, we talk about things like gaining market share and how we break into the... the or how we continue to focus on the U.S. and Canadian market, the people who don't have that much time off from work. And the other companies, are they're doing well with the Australians and the European crowd, right? But we want to focus in on that 21 to 35-year-old USA market because that is a valuable market there are millions and millions of people who we can who we can go out and uh, and find but really at the end of the day the purpose is to get people out from behind their desks and i talked about how we see these transformation stories but they really are true i mean people when they pack up and they decide to travel or they decide to book a trip you can feel that there's stuff going on in these people's lives you can tell that people back home, struggle with depression. You can you, you learn by day two or three when someone comes out and says, well, yeah, I'm actually just going through a really bad breakup or my parents are sick or, um, you know, I really struggle at home. Uh, tons of career transitions, tons of people right. thinking about uh, how, do you, how do you follow that? What's the path that you need to be going on? Are you... Are, Am I just here to, you know, find a partner and buy, save up for a ring and sign up for a mortgage and join the rat race? Or do I want to travel and, have, you know, and follow my values and uh, 
So there are people who are doing real soul searching on our trips and um, it's by, we do not promote that side of things. On our blog, we like to tell the inspiring stories, of course, but that just happened to be an unintended consequence, I guess, of what we do, but it comes from, probably from my own journey because then other people started to look around and wonder that way and we're all in the same place in this funny point in our our lives at least young people from 21 to 35 and uh, yeah if you're older you can still come on the trips if you're younger sorry you can't but uh wait a couple <laughs> wait a couple years but uh yeah man I, I think focusing on the process is the most important thing to get back to your question one year we want to start having longer itineraries we're doing multi-country trips we'd like to expand into asia and do hit places still that people are afraid to go on in their own uh, on the right. own. you know it's even intimidating for me to pack up and go to thailand and vietnam and china and japan and south korea and i'm just naming random places but thailand vietnam cambodia cambodia southeast asia that would be amazing i mean shit we should have india and south africa and mount kilimanjaro and and a lot of other trips morocco uh, other there are many many other amazing places so we want to continue rolling out cool places uh, but focus with a focus on the community with a focus on helping the people who are inside the community and they're the ones that are going to spread this thing by by word of mouth and we'll see how big it can get and we have some projections but uh yeah it's about the process that's that's awesome so what you've mentioned so many great things what would you say is the one of the best parts about running under 30 experiences (sighs) the meeting the cool people part and I want to expand that and say that it makes it extra special when you meet them in these places. Uh, I love my own solo travel as well and my time to myself and my time in the water and my focus on my yoga practice and all these things, right? But uh, the best thing about running under 30 experiences is absolutely the people who you meet and because you meet them, because I get to show them the secret beach that's basically in my backyard that's the cool that's the cool thing and that's when you're really able to form true bonds with with these people and they never forget that without a doubt so you guys have um communities in in a bunch of cities in in the states correct like i think it's like 30 cities at this point in north and canada as well right yeah so uh mainly mainly the united states are our most active chapters but god if you're if you're out there listening and you are in i'll try to cover the map real quick but boston hartford (laughs) new york philly dc charlotte raleigh Miami, Atlanta, occasionally we have meetups in New Orleans. Um, Clearly I'm from the East Coast and I know my geography (laughs) better there, but uh, Chicago, of course, uh, Washington State, Seattle, Kansas City, I'm jumping into the middle of the country real quick. Uh, Of course, Texas is big for us. Austin, Houston, Dallas, 
San Antonio, I'm not sure how active the community is, but then, yeah, San Francisco, L.A., all over the place. That's, that's a pretty good little rundown. I don't know if that was 30 St. Louis in the <laughs> middle of the country. I'm just, things are just popping up. But the smaller cities like, right, Baltimore and Cincinnati, those are getting going too. So it's, it's really cool to see Cleveland is getting going. I mean, uh, yeah, anybody who wants to check out, check out under 30 experiences, uh, com in the community section. If you want to come out and hang out with cool people, you don't have to come on a trip. It's just a good way to go and meet people, happy hour. But then we start doing hikes and, and other cool stuff, uh, not to mention, because we're trying to bring what we do on trips back to the States with them, because it's not just cool to travel once or twice a year. We want people to be active all the time. Yeah, without a doubt. There was just a meetup uh, to do a hike uh, right outside of the city. I was going to go to it, but then I had family commitments that <laughs> totally threw that off. But yeah, no, you guys are doing stuff all the time. I definitely encourage um, the listener to uh, to check it out. We'll have all the links in the show notes. But uh, with that, Matt, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me and share your experience and more about Under 30 Experiences. This is awesome. Josh, this has been a pleasure. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you letting me go on my little rants here i hope people got some good value out of it and uh would love to connect with anybody maybe see them in an awesome part of the world i live in manuel antonio costa rica please reach out matt at under 30 experiences.com if anybody wants to email me personally let me know i'm around awesome thanks matt Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week.